Good morning. How's everybody doing? Andrew goes, Pastor, we forgot to, I forgot to do the offering. Don't worry about it. I'll cover that. You know, just, you know, last week we talked about, uh, we talked about finances, and it's a spiritual thing that we do. And uh, this morning, you know, it's like what you, what you sow, you really do reap. And, you know, it's like I've, I've learned this. How many of you want God to do greater things in your life? Then don't hold back from what God is doing. And it's really just a, it, your finances are just an expression of your gratitude toward God. And whatever we should do, whatever we give God, it should be first in anything that we do. So we come to God with our first fruits. We come to him with what he's blessed us with, with what he's provided for us. And I'll just say this, like I shared last week, if you know anybody that tithes in this church, why don't you go ask? They might not be the richest person, but I tell you what, they've been, they've been blessed and they've seen God come through in times when they never thought he would come through. Anybody got an amen on that one that's a tither? And so let's just go ahead and receive our tithe and offering. Come on, guys, let's come on up. Tony may still be in his shorts. They actually locked the closet to get their clothes and everything. So, no, he's got his, he's got his drawers on now. There you go. But uh, it was so good. Let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this great opportunity that we have to God to plant seed into good soil. And we, God, we come and we give you our first. We give you our best, which you've blessed us with. And, Lord, I pray, I, the Bible says that we should rebuke the devourer. And I rebuke the enemy over every assignment that he has on each individual, over their finances, over their family, over their life. And I pray, I pray the blessings of heaven would be poured out upon them because they put you first. They honored you with their, their finances. They honor you with their life. They honor you, not just with words, but at their actions. I just pray that. And I pray your blessings in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yeah, you can give. You can't give this morning. You can go on online, and uh, they may have some stuff right there behind you. If you need an envelope, we got people that have envelopes. If you need notes this morning for the message, and you just need that, and you haven't received it or forgot to get the notes, or you passed by someone that had the notes, and you could pastor, I need some notes. Would you just raise your hand, and we'll get you some notes to you right over here, Tony. You got a few over there, and uh, so, Amen. amen. This morning we're going to wrap up the last part of the series we've been doing is called new and this is the conclusion and what we kind of just recap what i'd like you to do is just you need to grab some notes let me just say this these notes and i hope you're 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 keeping these notes because i believe this is if you just keep the notes we've just done these last few weeks i think it'll help you for this whole year to become what god wants you to become God, God wants you to grow spiritually. Remember, we talked about that the first part. We talked how God wants us to grow spiritually, how God wants us to bring new fitness. That means you're the temple of God. You're the temple of God's presence, that your life reflects that. It's not just losing weight. It's not just making a resolution. It's living in a revolution. And last week, we talked about even your finances and how they're spiritual. It says a lot about if you're willing to give first, you're willing to give your best, and who you are. The main point throughout these whole messages have been in the order of it. It's just a change. If you want change in your life, you have to change spiritually. How many of you want this to be the best year of your life, 2014? 
If, if you're going to grow this year and it's going to be the best year of your life, you're going to have to grow spiritually. You're going to have to get involved in a life group. You need to get involved in, in First Step. Anybody that wants to get interested in First Step, I'm going to be doing those four classes. We're going to meet in the foyer right there, and we're going to just have a great time. We're going to talk about kind of like, you know, Lit Vince Lombardi. When he'd get a football, he goes, guys, this is a football. When you get in there with me, I'm going to go, guys, this is a Bible. And so we just want to talk to you about, just, and then we're going to talk about foundations. We have a lot of cool stuff coming up. I'm going to talk about a little bit in the message coming up for this new year. And, and remember, before you can change externally, you have to change on the inside. It's not what you wear on the outside that's going to change you. It's what happens on the inside of your heart that changes you. And, you know, make this, and I want you to, we're not here to make the resolutions. We're here for God to bring revolution in our lives. Amen? And so, so far we've covered all this. Today we're going to talk about new friends. And I believe that this is very spiritual. It's, it's like my hope today is that you will never see relationships the same in your life. You know, I heard someone say, you know, the greatest gift that God gives you are the relationships that he puts you in on this earth. You know, and so, so fundamental. It's, it's the first, it, you know. Friendships is so fundamental. It's in the first book of the entire Bible. So how important that is to God if he puts it about relationships in the first book of the Bible. And so first, let's look at the theme verse that we've been talking about the last few weeks. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'm going to slow down my talk. Slow down. Because when I get excited, I get real fast. And then no one understands what I said. Anyway. And so this morning... When someone becomes, the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says it's when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person, a brand new person on the inside. A Christian is not someone who comes to church regularly. A Christian is not someone who only listens to Christian music. A Christian isn't someone that's, it's, it, 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 it is uh, someone that's, it, that, that just uh, shows up at church all the time. That doesn't count. Are you understanding me? You're not going to go to heaven and go, and he's going to pull out a little paper and he's going to check on you and go, oh man, you, oh, you missed that, you missed that Sunday. We're going to hold that against you. You go from a five-story mansion to a four. That's not what happens. What he's saying is this, is what, what he's really saying is a Christian is someone who becomes brand new on the inside. So how does relationships fall to that? Let's go, go with me to Genesis chapter 1. And in verse 11, and here it is, and it's, it's talking about godly seed. You see, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. In other words, you know, he's talking about inanimate beings, things that don't take on breath. And he's saying, you know, with everything that you have. In other words, is that when God creates a tree, he doesn't just... Just, he's not, he wasn't just creating the tree. He put seed inside the tree to produce more trees. Come on, y'all with me? Agriculture 101. That, this means when God created the first tree, he put seed inside the tree to become what is now the tree in your yard. And the thing I like is that God is so great that he, he fit a giant oak tree and a little acorn. Aaron, like, if you're from around this point, acorn, okay? In a little acorn. And in that little acorn is a huge, massive 
live oak in that little seed. Isn't that amazing? And you could, but right now, you can go hold that tree in your hand because it's in seed form. But if you plant it in the ground and, and, it, and you allow that water to take place to germinate that seed, a mighty oak begins to grow. And see, you know, it's like, and let's finish the rest of the verse. And it is so. And so God's saying, he's going, because God said it. He said, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in according to their kinds. And God saw it as good. God's design for living creatures was always has been to multiply. Hello? Not just addition, multiply. In order for anything, living thing to multiply, it has to be intimate. Come on. Trees cross-pollinate. Humans become intimate. Wherever there's intimacy, there must be reproduction. Hello? Okay, anatomy. Okay, everything, everything that becomes intimate reproduces. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. Y'all with me? Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over the, crea- the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. He did it, and you have a spirit, and that's what separates us from the rest of creation. We have a spirit. And he goes on to say, in his own image, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and and multiply or increase in number. Underline that in your notes. He says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. I, I quote that every time I go hunting. Anyway dominion over the fowl of the earth and over every living creature that moves on the ground this is the first thing that god ever said when i was in bible college there was something that i learned in bible college it's called it's the law of first mention this is the first time it's mentioned this is the first story in the bible and it's the first time god speaks in the bible think about it and that's two in one verse. It happens right here in this verse. It's called the law of first order or first mention. And, and it's, it's a first priority. It's mentioned. If you want to find out where something came from or what was going on, you got to go back in the Bible to where it was first mentioned. And you see what the intention was, what God's intention was, or what he said when he said what he said. Are you with me? See the great truths you learn? Anyway. The one here, this one is double where, where, where it's mentioned. First, it says in the story, first thing he, God ever speaks out of his mouth, he says, hey, go reproduce. Now, let me just say this. This is the first thing God ever said, be fruitful and multiply. I'll just say, I just want to go on the record and say, Tracy and I have done that. <laughs> we have produced six children. What's, what are you waiting for? Get with it. All right, get busy. My son, Zach and Claire, my, they just had a new, we had a new McCann man come on this earth. A little Peter James, eight pounds, 10 ounces. I have not seen, I've seen him video. Yeah, whoa. All natural. Whoa, Claire. I've seen what he looks like, but I haven't held him and I can't wait to. But I just say this. 
you know, uh, I, I just want to go, you know, it's, it's like God knew that, that we would multiply physically. But he also knew that there would be a transference of the spirit who they would be in the next generation. Let me just talk about that a little bit, okay? I want to teach you a little bit. There's going to be a transfer of spirit, of nature, of life, the gifts and the nature and the temperaments. There's a transference of generationally of who you are. If you want to see, if, when people look at our children, Tracy and our children, they go, hey, that one looks like Tracy. That one looks like Bubba. And man, they act like Bubba or they act like Tracy. And they thought, well, there's a transference. Hello? There's a transference of spirit in them. And God intended that from each generation. Are y'all with me so far? So God is so generational that he not only thinks about what he thinks about your children, but he thinks about your children's children. Hello? Are y'all with me? God thinks relational. Relationships are no accident. It's a part of God's design. The most important decisions you'll ever make are the relationship decisions. That's what's going to What's important is your relationship decisions are the most important ones you're going to make. Historically, that's why you see occupations. Remember, you see occupations running in families. I can look back at my gener- a couple of my generations. There was dentists. My great-grandfather was the, the first dentist in southwest Louisiana. He was the second dentist in the state of Louisiana. He graduated from Tulane. Uh, had, uh, his, dental record, his dental number was number two for the state. He came here, his daughter became a dentist in Texas who was actually the president of the American Dental Society, all right? She was the first pilot in Texas, and she was the first president of that. And then, I don't know if you ever heard of Vincent Norman Peale, she actually worked, she was his dentist. She was his dentist. And, and so, and it's like, and then my uncle, my dad's brother, he's a dental technician. And then my cousin, he's gone on, he's not here anymore, he, he deceased, but he was a dental technician. They had their own labs, and I'm like, you know, so if, if, I don't know. I don't know what happened to me, you know. So, you know, I used to pop people in the mouth. I got popped in the mouth a few times, but anyway. But it's not, you see, historically, that's why you see that. It's, it's in people's temperaments, it's in people's attitudes, and, and that, it's, not just, it's not just physical DNA, but people can have your spiritual DNA. You with me? So if there's, a, if there's a generational transference that happens successfully, the kids will go further than their fathers and so on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The generational blessings. It's like someone told me the other day, you know, said, man, Pastor Zach, he preaches so, man, he did such a great job. Miss Joyce Etienne really encouraged me. They said, Pastor, you're still better than Pastor Zach right now. <laughs> that was good. That was better. No, she didn't say I'm better. She goes, that was you. You do good, and, and you did good. Is, is that what you said? Is that what you said? Okay, I just want to, I don't want to be lying. Okay, I don't want to be a lying preacher. You got too many of them. Come on, tell the truth. And so, uh, you know, God knew. See, if, if there's a generational transference, that's a, it's a generational blessing what do you think the first thing the enemy goes after? He goes after that generational transference, that blessing. 
So he ch- goes in there to do everything and anything to affect the relationships because he wants to stop the process of operational blessings and generational blessings in people's lives. And so people who, uh, let me just say this. They, they did a study, and I can prove it. You can see generational things. They proved it, that if you were abused, that 97% of people that were abused will end up abusing their own children. It's just a generational transference. And generational transference can be good and it can be bad. And a lot of people don't like reading that portion of the Bible where it says, and the sins of the father would be passed down to the fourth generation. But it also says the, the blessings of righteousness would be passed down to the thousandth generation. But see, that's where Jesus, God sent Jesus in and he said, wait a minute, stop, stop. That generational curse is going to be broken because I'm going to send my son and there's going to be a new covenant, a new beginning, and there's going to be hope that you don't have to live by the law, you don't have to live by the curses on your life, that you can have a blessing and it's covered by the blood of Jesus. Those, you know, you can break those curses. You know, God, God took a risk. And he, he knew, he said, man, some of this stuff ain't good. When he created us, he, he took a risk and said, you know what? There's power. And see, when God created that, he created the momentum for that. It could be bad or it could be good. Are you with me? So he took a risk. And so this is why, you know, you know and I think about it, you know, uh, that's why it's so bad. That's why, let me just say, that's why I hate divorce. And, and it don't tune me out. Because let me just say that every one of us have blown it in this room in some order or some fashion. So we're not here to point fingers and judge people, but we've all messed up. Amen? Come on, I need to hear a better amen than that. All of us have messed up. And if you didn't say amen, we got a video of your life, and you better repent now. No, no, just let me show what you did this week. No. Because the whole idea that we pass down a generational blessing, that's why he created the process. And when the process gets going, is there's a law of blessings and curses. It just begins to take place. But that's why Jesus came. You see, in Malachi, here's the law of orders. In Malachi, in, in, in the Old Testament, the last book. Okay, we talked about the first book in the Old Testament. Now we're talking about the last book in the Old Testament. It's called Malachi. And Malachi is a prophetic book. And what it does is Malachi says, he got, Malachi, in Malachi, God says, and he needs to break the curse off of generations and restore fathers back to their kids and back to their fathers. In other words, that's the law of order. God's saying, I'm gonna, I want to break that. And that's the last book. And Jesus is about to show up on the scenes. And what happens in Malachi, if there, there's only four chapters, and the goal is to answer a couple of questions in Malachi. Here's some of the questions. Here's some of the prophetic questions they have in Malachi. Where are you, God? You ever ask that question? That's what Malachi asked. Where are you, God? Why does our world look the way it does? That's another question it tries to answer. And the last question, why don't you answer our prayers? You ever feel that way? But Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, and I want you to see something here. And let me just read it. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord. With tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because here's what he says, because the Lord has been 
witness, has been witnessing or, or has been watching or has been looking between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously or you've been treating not the right way. Let me just stop right there. Relationships are spiritual and they mean a lot to God. What do you mean, Pat? God's not answering their prayers because they're not treating their relationships right. Hello? Let me just say this. If you're going to do a life group and you get in an argument with your wife and you're having people come over, you're going to get it right in the 30 minutes <laughs> before they come over. Come on. Come on. You're going to do a Bible study. You're going to try to get it right. I'm a, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect person husband i'm not a perfect father there's been times when i've had to repent to my wife there's times that i've had to repent to my children for things that i've said or things that i've done or the way i acted or or didn't give them time because i was so busy doing my own thing Are, are you hearing what i'm saying and so god's not responding because you consider your relationships disposable you're not understanding the power of relationships. This is what he's saying. Let's keep reading. Listen, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make it them? Then did he not make them one? See, you forgot. Having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit. It's spiritual. To your spirit. And let, and it says, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. I, I don't, he's not saying, he's saying, I don't have an issue with marriage. But I do have an issue how it affects your relationships. And I do have a, an issue how it affects your kids. That's what he's saying through this, this word right here. You know, don't get me wrong here. We all messed up and every one of us have messed up in this process. But here's the thing. The first thing God says is, what did he say? Be fruitful and what? Multiply. Okay, that's the first thing he says in the Old Testament. And, and you know, and he's, and he's not talking about babies. He's talking about, and the last thing God says is to what? When he said, comes, when Jesus is about to leave, the spirit catches him up to go to heaven. What does he say? He says this, the last thing God says is go into all nations and make disciples. In other words, multiply yourself. It's spiritual. He starts the whole story saying that relationships are spiritual, and he ends the whole story saying relationships are spiritual. So so what is my first point? Relationships are spiritual. Relationships are spiritual. Relationships are incredibly important. If you've messed, if you've messed up some relationships, like me, and maybe I messed up a relationship. Okay, have no fear because Jesus has broken the curse of sin and gives you a new beginning. You got to get over it, get beyond it. Hello, you got to get going. Get going. Come on, are you hearing me? Every generational curse that has been passed down can be broken off your life today because Jesus has overcome. I'll just give you, I mean, I can look at back at my life and see things that were in my parents, that were in my, in my grandparents that I saw that were part of me now. Hello? Attitudes, gifts, I mean, the blessings and the curses. Hello? But my desire and Tracy's desire, when we got married, because 
she had a spiritual heritage of, on her side of the family, on her mother's side of the family. A lot of her relatives were very godly people. She had a great-grandmother. It was a great-grandmother, great-grandmother. Her name was Gigi. And she had a spiritual heritage that has been passed down. She, you can talk to her uncle, her, her cousin that was a minister, all those different things. And they can, they can go back. It was because they pointed back. It was Gigi. And when she made a stand, generationally, she passed down a blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, you, you know, every generation is passed down. And so please understand that your relationships are spiritual. Your work relationships are spiritual. Your church relationships are spiritual. The, you, 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 your friend relationships are spiritual. Your relationships, choices are spiritual. Look at your neighbor and say, you know what? Your choices are spiritual. Look at them. Come on, tell them that. Everywhere there's a level of intimacy in your relationships, there is reproduction at every level. Every level. The second thing is relationships have lasting impact. Come on. Good or bad relationships affect your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, you know, uh, what is it, the bird of a, how does it go? Feather flies together. It means, you know, you just fly together. All the birds of the feather, same feather, they just fly together. You know, the closer you are to a person, the greater the impact they have on your life. I was at the airport in Houston the other day, and I saw, I was just standing there talking to this guy from Egypt. We are talking about different things, and I was coming back from Colorado to see, uh, Joel and his operation with Josh and Lindsay. And let me just give you a report, and I'll go back to my story. Is that all right? They, his, his surgery, I was there. They had the, the, they had the doctor that was in charge. They had 23 doctors and medical people that were doing the procedure with little Joel. And the guy that was the head doctor, he was a graduate from England. His name was Dr. Wilson, and he was from Oxford. I mean, that's like Oxford and Cambridge are the two Number one schools in the world for education. I mean, I mean that says a lot. Just a great guy. Got, I even made him laugh. He, you know, real until oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he goes, "I like your pasta, pasta baba." <laughs> anyway, Josh goes, "Everybody likes him." But anyway, that's not true. But anyway, the devil hates me. But I, it's mutual. I hate him too. But when they went in, they, they went in with the balloon. The balloon didn't work to go from one side of his heart because your heart's supposed to do this, and his heart on his right, right side is in failure. So it's just his heart's just doing this, okay? And so when they went in and did the stent, it just it relieved his heart, okay? His liver had enlarged, and his, it went back to normal. They did a little bud transfusion. It was that like when they came back and they reported to Josh and Lindsay and everything, they said, Actually, the surgery went better than we even anticipated. So you can give God the glory for that. But here's the thing you have to pray. When they did go in, this is the thing that was, I don't want to say, it just wasn't that great of news. When they went in, they did find out because they were able to measure the real level of his, the pH, the pulmonary hypertension, the disease that's taken over his body. They said it was actually higher than they thought it was. The medication that he's on, it's like, the, the, the record is 250 whatever milligrams cc's. Don't, don't quote me on that. But he's four years old and he's at 215. 
So that shows you the severity. We're still believing God for a miracle. Amen. And so just continue to pray for them, believe with them. But, you know, while I was at the airport in Houston talking to this guy, and then I see someone I thought I, I recognized, and I, and I look, and, I, and he's just a little older, and I go, hey, uh, what's your name? And he, he goes, such, I'm not going to say his name because you might know him. He goes, I thought so. And he looks at me, he goes, Howard, is that you? I go, yeah, that's me. And they said, hey, man, I haven't seen you. And he used a lot of adjectives I will not repeat. And then the plane, we're not sure because they canceled one and they have another one. And he's an attorney that actually sues people for a living. And he's making threats. He's sitting there going, man, I'm going to sue their, I'm going to write the Air, Lafayette Airport Commission a letter. I'm going to sue. He's doing all, man, I mean, and they have this other guy there all in there. And I'm in the between. And I can feel it. I call my wife. I go, man, baby, you need to pray for me. I just ran in my own neighbor. And I mean, like, I got this little spirit trying to get on me about griping and complaining. He wanted to cuss a little bit. You know what I mean? Just. <laughs> I'm telling her she's laughing, you know. And, uh, you know, he's dropping F-bombs like, you know, they're dropping. You know what I mean? And just, and I'm like, and GD things. And I'm, and I'm like, I, I told her, I said, if he says GD again. I'm going to full on wrap my hands around his neck. And I said, quit cursing God. But anyway, <laughs> your whole being is shaped by relationships and people you hang out with. I can just feel the influence. Hello. Uh, you can be defined by the people that are in your life. I've heard it. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Hello. If you don't believe that, too bad. You can't stop it. See, parents, you're shaping your kids. You will pass down who you are to the next generation. You, you must take responsibility seriously because that affects generations to come. I remember when my grandmother, before she was dying, and she was our patriarch in our family, and everyone, my wife was there, my sister-in-law was there, the whole family was there, and she was the one that broke the curses in our family. And before she passed away, I asked her to do one thing. I said, Nene, put your hand on me. Because whatever you got, I want what you got in me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, she had enough faith when the refrigerator went out. She went and kicked it and said, come alive in Jesus' name. And my grandfather was in the room, and it came, and it started working for two more years. When I was doing uh, phone counseling for the 700 Club, she told my grandfather, you know, you're going to see Bubba's going to be on there. You better watch him. And he started watching 700 Club, and he, started, and he gave his life to the Lord just by watching, looking for me. She had enough faith. I mean, she led Bernetta to the Lord, my sister-in-law. She led her to the Lord. I mean, and I look back at her life, whatever you got. I mean, when I'm, you know what, there's just something that people, listen to me. There's generational curses, but there's generational blessings that you can pass down to people. Am I in the right church? Do we believe this kind of stuff here? Absolutely. The third thing is relationship choices are critical. They're critical. You must choose relationships carefully. Make an effort. You want, you want to change your ways? You probably never will until you get someone in your life to help you change your ways. God sends people in your life to help you change. 
You want to lose weight? Come on, anybody want to lose weight? Don't put your hand. Hey, you want to lose weight? You can't do it by yourself. You need to get someone in your life to help you be accountable. You want to grow spiritually? Sometimes it's hard to do that by yourself. That's where you got to be open with someone. That's where a life group, that we're going to start on February 23rd, new life groups. That's why you need to get in part of a life group because it's spiritual. It's important who you hang out with. It's important that you allow people in your life to speak into your life to help you change. Listen, I wouldn't be standing here. I'm not standing here by myself. There's a whole network of people that have kicked my butt, that have called me out, that have loved me, that told me the gifts and the call that God had in my life. I'm standing here. They're standing here with me. I have a cloud of witnesses in heaven that have gone on before me. They're watching me just like they're watching you, and they're cheering you on. They're not going, oh, look at that little cool He did it again, that stupid. No, they're not doing that. They go, come on, get up. Don't stay there. Get up. Get going. Get down the field. Don't let your mistakes, don't let the the mistakes you've made measure or determine what you're going to be like for the rest of your life. Get up. You got to get someone, you know, if you want to grow in God, you got to get someone in your life that will pray with you, that will love you, that will challenge you. You want to experience healing? James chapter 5 says, it says, when you need someone, when, when you need, you, when, you, when you pray for one another, you'll be healed. In other words, there's power when you pray for one another. I need people in my life just to pray with me. Why is Joel, you know, when they're going, when they're going, like the nurse, she came in I, I, while I was at the hospital in Colorado. The nurse comes, you know, they have 23 doctors with them. I said, that's awesome. I said, but can I tell you something, really? I did. I said, I said you know, have you ever... And you've heard me say, I said, you ever watch that Verizon commercial where the guy goes, the whole network, you know, it's not just him, it's the network behind. I said, let me tell you something, there's a whole network that's way bigger. There are people that are praying all over the world for this little boy. You think them doctors, uh, yeah, God uses medicine. I'm not here to do that. But let me tell you, when God hears the prayers of the saints. Do you think when Daniel was in the lion's den, it was only him crying out and praying? Come on, how about when they threw Peter in the jail and he got and, and the, the, the gates were released? You remember that? It said that, and, and where did he show up? First thing he shows up, where they're having the prayer meeting, praying for him. And the girl goes, they go to open the door and the girl freaks out. And it's in the Bible, it's cool. She opens, she goes, ah, she ran. She didn't even unlock the door. She went, Peter's outside. You imagine the prayer meeting? Oh, come on, you, we're praying for him. Oh, he's outside. No, you don't stop praying. Go see the man. You imagine when they went to the door? Ah! Golly, he does answer prayer. Don't be shocked when he does. You need someone else. God put this in motion, and you cannot stop it, my friend. See, my friends, let me tell you, the new friends, God wants you to do this. Proverbs says it like this, and the good news is a mirror reflects a man's face. But what he really is, really, really, what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Oh, that's a powerful verse. People ask Tracy and I, you know, a lot of times, from time to time. Hey, man, can you just tell us how to be good parents? Can, can I, I just want to stop right there. 
We are not exempt because we're pastors from the storms of life. I don't have some special covering in my children. Listen, my children, when we go home, they're not all reading their Bible when we go home. They're not doing the new series with me and my wife sitting there in her Bible study and they're all sitting around, teach us, mother. You're smoking crack. You think that's what's going on. But you know what? I'll just say this. The one desire that Tracy and I have is we pray. We haven't prayed that they all go be preachers. But what we have prayed that they'll all be violently filled with the power of God and his spirit living inside of them. And they would love us, love their parents, and love God. Does that make sense? There are people that just wish their kids would love them. I can say my kids love us. I can say there's times I promise you they probably haven't loved us. Because we just, we laid down the law. And they didn't like it. Or I took things away from them. They didn't like. I just say, parents, do you want to know the secret of raising kids? Show me your kids' friends and I'll show you your kids' future. Relational choices are critical because they're, they're having lasting effects. You want to change your life, your habits, your addictions? You can't do it alone. You need somebody. Amen? Here are some questions. We've been talking about questions every series, and here's some of the questions I have to ask you. And that's why I think it would be good for you to keep your notes so you can keep going back and asking these questions to kind of check out how you're doing. The first question, and here's some questions. And uh, the first question, am I nurturing important relationships? That means am I birthing them, or am I feeding them, or am I taking care of them? Don't just be a Sunday Christian. Am I taking care of them daily, moment by moment? Are you taking care of your wife and your kids? The important relationships in your life are the ones the enemy is going to attack. Hello? I mean, the other night, my wife and I, and it was my fault, we got in the stupidest argument. It was me. And she wanted to bless me just be nice to me, all this. And I just got something on me like a funk. Anybody know what you're talking about? And then it's like, then we kind of just did our thing, you know, talk and, you know, you know how it is. Like I said, y'all know how it is. Yeah, don't look at me like you self-righteous. Pastor, we're going to pray for you very hard and deep. We did repent. We did forgive each other. Are you hearing me? But, you know, I know this is that, you know, are you, are you nurturing the important relationships in your life? You know, there's sometimes when I've, I remember when we were building this building, and, and then I remember when we built a building in the front, and I got real busy, and I worked long hours and a lot. And there would be times that I realized that I didn't, when spending the quality time that I needed to with my children and even with my wife. And there was times I had to go back and repent to my children for my lack of time with them. They know what I'm talking about. Spend time with your kids. Take your wife on dates. Nurture the important relationships. 
I heard one say, hunt with your kids and you won't have to hunt after them. You can't get by by taking your wife on a date every 25 years, guys. Okay, I found this list. I thought it'd be good. Because next week, we're going to start the sex series. We're going to be full next week. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about intimacy. We're going to talk about God's design for sex. It's going to be PG-13. No, I'm serious. Now people go, Mama, I'm 13. Can I come? <laughs> I know, I know. You don't want to know. But we're going to do that. But I found, I found these, these and, and some good things and some marriage builders. Can I just read them? There's 15 marriage. I'm just real quick. And it just says, number one, love God. Number two, start each day with a hug. Number three, say I love you every time you part ways. Compliment often. Love each, love each day as it was your last. Go on a date every week. Stop and smell the roses. Kiss unexpectedly. I like that one. Apologize sincerely. Be forgiving. Guys, let, guys, let her give you directions when you're lost. Ladies, laugh at his jokes. Guys, ask her to marry you again. Ladies, say yes, please. And never go to bed angry. You know, I've learned this. You must, you got to throw a log on the fire for everyone, every important relationship. Amen? You got to stoke the coals sometimes. You know, because it doesn't stay where you left it. It won't last wherever you left it the last time. The devil is working overtime in your life. And listen, there's ways that he gets to you. There's, I think there's two ways. You don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what to do. Or you know what to do, but you don't do it because you're too lazy. Thank you for all those amens. You got to do that. Your life will be much better if your relationships are working. Come on, anybody with me? Galatians says this. It says, serve one another in love. The whole law or the whole Bible is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it says, look, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out and you will be destroyed by each other. And that's what most relationships look like. Spend time with God. Nurture the most important relationship in your life. What does that mean? Well, Pastor Bob, I don't have a lot of time. Man, let me, can I just say something? Talk to God in the shower. Talk to God when you're driving. Talk to God when you're laying on your bed. Talk to God. Get, put down the, the, the Game Boy or whatever, the, uh, the same boy. Because if you keep doing the same thing, you don't, you don't change. You stay the same. God wants you not to be tamed by the enemy. God wants you to, God wants you to grow. Let's just be honest. How many of you say, you know, it wouldn't be bad if they had a little fresh fire in my marriage. Come on. Just you and, and me and DJ. Anybody, how, come on, let's, let me just. How many of you would say, man, it wouldn't be bad if we had a nice raging fire in our marriage right now. Right? Okay. You got to put a log on it, guys. You got to stoke the coals. You gotta, <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to surprise Queen Weather today. 
or women, he don't know what's coming at him. Shocking. Lord. You know how a heart gets revived? You got to shock it. All right, if you know what I'm talking about, see me after the service. <laughs> men with men, women with women. But anyway. Number two, I'm severing hurtful. Am I severing? Am I severing hurtful relationships? Some of you have friends and coworkers that you just need to distance yourself from them. Hello? If you get close to those friends... You're going to reproduce. There's going to be a reproduction cycle that will take place that you can't stop. Are you hearing me? Like my neighbor, old neighbor at the airport. You know, uh, I don't care. Listen, listen. I don't care if you have hurt. Uh, if you if you have to hurt feelings or not. Can I just say that? I don't care if you got to hurt somebody or not. These friends are causing you to compromise what you believe about and what you know you should be doing. I'm going to talk to some young lady there. I'm your pastor, but I'm also a man. Don't let that guy talk you into something you don't want to do and you shouldn't be doing anyway. And if you have a problem with that and he has a problem with that, tell him to call the church and call me and talk to me. And I'll tell him, you out! And if you can't do that, the Bible says, he said, whatever y'all you do with... With your hand, do with all your might. And if he tries to touch you somewhere he doesn't belong, need to, knock him out. I'm telling you, don't compromise for a momentary moment of pleasure. For a, you know, just compromise for a moment and it'll bring grief for a lifetime. Don't compromise. Relationships are spiritual and they, they, they will affect you. The good and the bad ones. Amen. I felt good after saying that. Anyway. What does, the Bible, what does the Bible say about friends? You know, the Bible says a lot about loyalty. It says a lot about lying. It says a lot about compromise. But I, I just looked about friends. First Corinthians says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. You're not talking about the band, bad company. You're talking about the people you hang with. Bad company just bad company you become like them proverbs 13 20 he who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion of fools suffers harm can i just stop right there i gotta stop i just there's times in my marriage and in my with my children we have six children so there's been times in every one of my children i've had to tell them you don't need to hang out with that guy right there come on when my daughter comes, listen, and she wants to marry a guy, she ain't marrying here by himself, herself. I'm marrying him too. He's going to be in my house at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I'm going to deal with his children. Are you hearing me? Come on. I remember one time, and it was Nathan. And about, some of you have asked me about Nathan. Nathan's doing awesome. Continue to pray for him. You know? Pete, I remember he was like, I forget what age. And I saw something on the computer. My wife came and told me, this girl was telling me, I love you. Will you be, you know, when you're in junior high, I love you. Will you be my boyfriend? And will you love me too? Circle the you or yes or whatever. You know what I mean. <laughs> it's always not direct. It's through a friend. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I, I mean, he was, I don't know. He was 11 or 12. Love, he don't know what love is. 
And I told him the next day, I said, I had to sit down with him. And I said, son, let me tell you something. Tomorrow you're going to school, and you're going to tell them you are not in love with them. And guess what? They don't need to be your friend. And he's sitting in his chair like, yeah, dad. No, it wasn't like that. Dad, people are going to think, and that's so embarrassing. And <laughs> Can I say something? He did it. And when he came home and said, how do you feel now? He goes, I actually feel a lot better, dad. You know what? There was a weight on him that didn't need to be there. Just a weight. I've seen that with every one of my children. And I, I see that. You know, there's times that I've looked at them and said, man, don't be hanging. And they don't see it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on. You know what I'm saying. When my parents, I remember when I was a teenager, I'd show up at some people's house. I had stupid written on my forehead. And if parents didn't have discernment, they couldn't see it. Are you hearing me? So stupid does is stupid does. Forrest Gump theology. Stupid is. That's right. Thank you for correcting me. Proverbs 12 says, a righteous man is cautious in friendships. Second Corinthians says, he said, do not be yoked. In other words, that means common fellowship. That's what that word yoke means. Together with unbelievers. For what do righteous and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? There's none. Spend time with the important relationships and sever the ones that are going to hurt you. If you have relationships, if you're married and you're making a journey with God and you're hanging out with young couples that are compromising, that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, you need to be, begin to reassess what you're doing. That's why even in a church setting, you can be around people with even in this church that are doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing. So I encourage you, find other couples that are going to do things that encourage you. Are you hearing me? And then what you can do, you can have power in relationship through friendship because they'll speak the truth to you the bible says better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy better that your what your friend tell you the truth than someone just kiss up to you because they just want to use you or they need something from you the third thing are y'all with me let me just wind this down am i initiating meaningful relationships am i initiating meaningful relationships don't avoid the relationships you need can i just say something that's why february 23rd for six weeks we're going to be starting reach life groups small groups spirit and they're spiritual and you know i know how it is when you first start out a group you don't know everybody so you're going and I just kind of feel funny sitting right here next to someone else. And I don't know what they're going to say or what they're going to do. or how I just don't feel like I fit. And I just, you know what I'm talking about? It's spiritual. But you give it a little time and you start connecting. And God starts doing things, something in your spirit with those people around you. Amen? That's why on February 5th that I want, I want you, if you, you go, man, I need to make some first steps, Pastor Bob, for this new year. And you just want to grow in your relationship with God. You want to grow. You need to be here with me. I'm going to be doing those. Don't, don't do everything you can. Do everything you can to be a part of a life group. Allow godly relationships to shape who you are. I got this from my pastor this morning. He's on his 
32nd anniversary. He calls me every, let me see it. Every week we talk. Just what he says. This is the guy that's spoken in my life probably more than anybody. He says, hey, Bubba, we're resting, recharging, renewing, and romancing in Scottsdale. It's 75 and beautiful. I'm praying for you today. And pray our example even in recreating what comes next through our children. I'm like, man. And I just wrote back. I'm not going to tell you what I wrote back. Not important. Allow godly relationships to shape you. Proverbs says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. But listen to what it says. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You don't need a bunch of casual acquaintances. You need close friends. You know what a friend do? Come here, baby. I love my wife. Isn't she hot? And let me just say this. We'll be married 30 years in August. Hey, and it, can I tell you something? It don't, that just don't happen. Have I been mean to you before? Be honest. Have there been times you wanted to get rid of me? Are there times that I dress stupid? Are there times you told me the truth even when I didn't want to hear it? Can I tell you something? That's the best friend I have in the whole world. She's my best friend. She's not just my wife. She is my wife. She's my best friend. She's told me stuff when I didn't want to hear it. She's told me stuff when we're laying in bed and go, you are just so stubborn. Like, oh, God. Didn't hear that. Or like, I'll come out and I go, hey, how does this look? That looks stupid. I feel like sometimes I feel like I need to sit on my bed with my BBDs and go dress me. I used to do it before I was married. I don't know what happened, but anyway. She'll remind me, baby, you've been going strong. What about the kids? She reminds me. The Bible says when you get married, and even in the beginning, he says God will give you a helpmate. In other words, it's God's kind way of saying this to every man. Man, you need help. And so do everything you can to be, you know, allow godly relation. The most important relationship you'll ever have is with God. You need to nurture that relationship. Here's a cool thing. Not only is he God, but he says he is your friend. I look what Jesus says right at the end. He's talking to the disciples, and he has them sitting around in John, and he's, he's looking at them, and he goes, hey, he said to his disciples, hey, man, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants, because a servant doesn't know the master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. You know what a friend can do? If you walk with someone long enough, a friend, a friend can look at you across the crowd, and you might not have seen them in a while, and they can look at you, and you know exactly what they're thinking. Come on, that's what a friend would do. See, 
Some of you need to make decisions today, this morning, about friendships. Some of you are just struggling with friendships. Some of you just say, man, I, I need a friend, Pastor. You know, this, let me just say this. Jesus came to set us free and to set us right in friendship with him and then give us friends. That are, that, you know what? I love, I love this. The longer you serve, I don't remember one of my teachers in the Bible, he said, the longer you serve God, it was Winky Pratton. He said, the longer that you serve God and you love him, God will introduce you to his friends. If you become his friend, he'll just introduce you to his friends. And this morning, if you've been struggling, if you're just having a hard time, let me just say, first of all, you have to start out having a friendship with God. That's where it all starts. Friendship with God. Nurture that. The second thing is, if you're struggling, you know, find friends. That's why that's what church is about. It's not just coming here on Sunday. It's about developing that. We have life groups coming up. We have different opportunities where you can get involved. We have Bible studies. We're next weekend, guys, we have the herd meeting at 8 o'clock. Man, I've enjoyed it. We have almost 30 men that come on a Saturday at 8 o'clock. That's a miracle. Amen? We're not serving beef. We're not serving bacon. We're serving coffee and donuts. So there got to be something else there. You know what I'm saying? But if you hadn't come, I encourage you to come. It's just striking up fellowship, making new friends. Can I just pray for you this morning? Some of you might, you may need healing in your body. And the reason you don't have any, you haven't had anybody pray for you because you just don't have anybody you can share with. You need a friend. You need a friend. Some of you need to get, become accountable to people that have been walking with God for a long time. Just become, what does that mean? It's just being real. I'm struggling with this. I'm going through this. I'm facing this. What do you think? What do you, maybe you might not have the answers, but you can say, hey, well, at least we can pray. We can go to God and see what God wants to do, what God says. Amen? Let's just pray. Let's bow your heads. No one look around. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much for every individual here this morning. I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit, that you remind us that everything starts. Our first mention, you've told us to go, and God, to be, to multi, uh, to be fruitful and multiply. And Father, I pray that that's what we do in our relationship with you and the people and the gift of the people that you've put in our